0: Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. We continue in our worship by turning our attention now to this passage from Uh, the book of Galatians. It's a wonderful passage. Uh, It's a passage where Paul is talking about how it is that we're to now live our lives and how you discover what it is that God has done in your life and how you live it every day. So hear now this reading from God's word. I say then, walk in the Spirit, And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such as these there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. For this we are grateful that we have this among us. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. May God add his blessings to the reading of this, his word. Years ago, I lived in South Florida as a campus minister. I was fresh out of university. I was working among students doing peer ministry with them in a place that I knew absolutely nothing about. I came from Virginia. I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia has its roots back in the colonial days. Its roads were established by horses, by cows, and by pigs and by people who had carts that were going down to the Chesapeake Bay. A very random operation. (laughs) So you knew the roads that you traveled on, you knew where they went, not by any order, but basically by good memory and experience. However, what I discovered in Miami was somebody in traffic planning had laid out this grid of streets. Okay, that seems very reasonable, doesn't it? The traffic planners, the local planners, as they developed that area, they laid them out. One of the expressions was courts, plazas, and avenues. Okay, courts first, the next road would be a place or a plaza, and the next road would be an avenue. Okay, and then they would start all over again, courts, plazas, and avenues. So you get on this road, so you wanna find an address on this place called Court. So you find your house number and then you start looking for the block number, 80 Court. Okay, that's not gonna work for you because the street that you're looking for is on 87th. Okay, so you think Reasonably, if these people have laid out this grid, that you just go down, blunk, 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 blunk. Well, guess what? It didn't work. Because in between the 80th and the 87th were streets like this 80, blah, blah, blah. 81, Courts Plazas Avenues. 82, Courts Plazas Avenue. 86. Well, what happened to 85? And then Going forward, 86, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm close. And then you come down to the next street, and it's 89. You missed it all together. What happened? How did you people do this? Well, in the mystery of this laying out this grid, there happened to be these things called natural difficulties, like canals and, and places where they wouldn't build. A, it just was odd and weird. And if you didn't know the area... How long did it take you to get lost? Not very long, not very long. And I absolutely went to different places and eventually found these locations where I was supposed to go and meet people. And I always greeted them. I'm so sorry, I'm a few minutes late. I cannot figure out how this city is laid out. This doesn't seem to be in sequence. But nonetheless, perseverance played forth and I found the house or I found the business that I was going to. Uh, That's just the way it was. In this experience that Paul is writing uh, to the Galatians about, it's sort of like that in terms of getting lost. You know, they thought, as Paul did, that they were starting out with strength. But somehow, through the interlopers of these Jews who had come from Jerusalem with a, a message that said what Paul preached who, by the way, isn't really a good apostle, by the way, uh, what he preached isn't a sufficient gospel. What you need to do is you need to add law to your gospel. Okay, so you got Jesus, but he ain't enough. You got to add law. You got to keep the law. Okay, so when Paul got wind of that, he said, I don't think so. I really Don't think so. So this is what the book of Galatians is all about. It's Paul's elaborate response to, I don't think so. You add nothing to what God has accomplished in the gospel. It is the good news of forgiveness. It is all we need. And when you receive Jesus as your Savior, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to come and be with you. That's what you receive. So that's why Paul, when he wrote this book to the church of Galatia, he was saying to them, I don't think so. Let me tell you what's the way you ought to understand the gospel that has come to you. So in our passage today, he begins with this long list of what we might call, well, just short, ugly living, ugly things, not pretty at all. Not nice at all. It's all around us. And when I was looking at this in preparation, I said, you know, I only have so many minutes in in order to preach before my congregation will be nodding off, going to sleep, or even throwing things at me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just simply characterize all that's in that list of naughtiness. (laughs) I'm gonna call it as the me activities. Those activities that Paul is talking about are all built around me and my personal gratification. Me, 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 me. I want it all for me. Okay, it's the me generation. My wife and I have begun watching this TV program called Seinfeld. It's from the 90s now. We didn't watch it in the 90s. We were both busy. in. Ministry. We were both busy doing the things in life. We just didn't have time for scheduling a TV program. So now that we're retired, we bring this program up, and I look at it and I say, this is for people who are me people. They're just me people. They do what they want to do without boundaries. They lie. They cajole. They fool around. They are just me people. They're funny as that can be. They're just very funny people, but they're just total me people. They're not coarse and crude and gross because after all, they had to pass the TV censors. But if you're listening to what they're doing and if you're listening to what they're saying, you know it's nothing but me. It's just me. Now, so I decided that what I was going to do is I was going to focus on the other list that Paul gives. I call that, the living for others list. Not me, but God and the people whom He sends to me in life. I'm going to live for others. That's how I'm going to take this up in my own life. So when Paul writes this list, he begins by telling them from his own experience this is what God has done in my life. He has forgiven me. I was a Persecutor of Christians. I was a person who was not very easy to be with if you were a Christian, because I was going to make your life miserable. But when the God came to him and called him to himself and revealed the Lord Jesus Christ to him as his Savior, he realized the power of the gospel for forgiveness. And he spent the rest of his life in that power of the Holy Spirit being a person who lived as an other person. He lived for God. He lived to build up those persons whom he had brought to faith. He was an other person. He recognized the me people around him. And he told the church, there's nothing there for you. That's a dead end literally a dead end. Why? Because these people will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But he then said, now let me tell you about what it's like to be people who live as other people, who live for God and who live to build up the people around. And so he then lays out, as he did in the previous paragraph, all that list of naughtiness, all that list of things that nobody wants to get caught doing. And then he says, let me give you another list. Let me give you another list that you can use in your life. So what he talks about then is he says, in contrast to the works of the flesh, let me talk about the works of the Holy Spirit. Let me talk about that with you. You don't have to hear any more about the me pattern of life. Let me tell you about the other way of living. That's living for others. So, he then lays out these various experiences that come to us in this journey that's ours in Christ. Now, what we did is we passed out these little cards. How many of you have these cards? Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you, if you remember from our reading, those are the various fruit of the Spirit. Okay. I've just taking them and put them on a card. So I'm just going to say, somebody call out one of those uh, fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Peace. Okay. What Paul? Okay. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Okay. One at a time. Because I'm suffering under 75 years and I can't do but one thing at a time. And, and by the way, I am a man and men can only do one thing at a time. I don't multitask very well. But nonetheless, What was that word we were looking at? Peace. 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 What Paul is talking about is not necessarily the end of warfare and the end of strife. What he's talking about is this experience that we have that we realize that God is with us in forgiveness. God is with us to build us up and to nurture us so that what? We never know we're alone. We always know that God is with us. Whatever circumstance comes our way, whatever difficulty comes our way, we know that God is with us. The Holy Spirit is there to bring into our life the presence of God. We are not alone. And we are not by ourselves in this journey of faith. We're together. So we live experiencing this reality of peace, that comes to us with the sure and confident knowledge that we're not alone. God is with us by his Holy Spirit. God is with us by his fellowship that he provides for us in the community of grace. What's another word? Joy. Joy, okay. Joy is a wonderful experience that God gives us in this experience of being a part of his family. Now, uh, I'm gonna do this I'm gonna pull this chair here. Watch that camera because Ken told me I, I couldn't leave the side of the camera because if I did, I'd get in trouble because the camera would go blank. And then, and then that's dead time. So anyway, in some of my reading, somebody was talk, one of the authors was talking about joy. And what he was talking about, he says, joy is just, it's just a spontaneous rejoicing of God's presence. I went to a church, so he said. And this was one of these big, Downtown churches with stained glass and beautiful settings. And he said, I went in there, I thought we were going to worship God. And you know, we were going to sing this song, Joy Unspeakable. And when they sang it, they, they, they sang, It was joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, joy unspeakable. He said, they didn't have a whole lot of joy in that place they didn't really know what joy was all about but then he said what i did is i went to a full gospel businessmen's convention where they had a wonderful dinner and they had a great speaker and then they got to singing and you talk about joy unspeakable full of glory those people were dancing Those people were happy. Those people, as we learned this morning while we were driving in, uh, somehow or another, a bluegrass station came on the radio, and we were hearing this. It's Sunday morning, so you get bluegrass gospel. So the song was, I can't sit down. I'm so happy I can't sit down. So the person was just really keyed up. But let me tell you what joy is as a pattern of living. It is exuberance for sure, but it is also this sense in which we know that we live with purpose. And we just take this word joy and we build an acrostic out of it. Joy. It's Jesus first. When I put Jesus first in my life, I know that my life is going to be pleasing to God. When I put others in my life to serve them and to build them up I know that's doing God's work and when I know that myself yourself is last in that order you're not first in line it's not all about you it's joy joy is Jesus others and yourself we've heard this before but it's a part of the way of living of walking in the spirit if you want to be joyful find yourself rejoicing in Jesus for all he's done for us. Find yourself in the lives of other people making a difference and find yourself in such a place where it's not all about you. That you're in the presence of being a part of what God is doing in the lives of other people. Who's got another word? Gentleness. Gentleness. Isn't that a great experience? That's a wonderful thing that comes to us in life. Uh, this sense of Being people who are submitted to God. You know, I use the phrase, it's not all about me. If you want to talk about a gentle person, it's the kind of life in the spirit that says, you know, I know that God is present within my life. I know that God is with me within my life. I know that I am submitted to who he is. He's my Lord. I seek to live in a way that is pleasing to him. I'm a part of this. And so I don't push. I don't make myself just an edge into places. It's all about being a part of what God is doing in a submissive and a gentle way. That's what God is talking about when he talks about this experience of the Holy Spirit that doesn't put you first. It's Humility. It's a sense of proper ordering of life that I know that I'm a part of what God is doing and I'm also a part of what God is doing in the lives of other people. I'm a person who's gentle. And if I'm gentle, I'm going to be a person who's teachable because I want to learn. And what do I want to learn about? I want to learn about what God is doing in my life. I want to learn about what God has done, why it is that I'm a believing person with faith, that carries me through every day. That's what it means to be a person who lives with gentleness in the Holy Spirit. Who's got another word? Long-suffering. 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 That's a word that, don't you love it? It's, It's the kind of word that comes to mind that when you get even, have you ever been around an even if? Even if you say that. Even if. You do that. I'll stay with the camera. Even if I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to be that person that God has called me to be with you. I'm not going to give you what you gave me. I'm not going to be that kind of a person. I'm going to be the kind of the person that builds you up. I'm going to be the kind of the person that looks for you and says, I'm going to be a part of you becoming a better person. I'm going to be that person and even when, even when this word patience, which is another word for long-suffering, even when you're stretching me, I'm going to be there with you. That's what it means to be long-suffering. I'm going to be there with you because who, is, who else is with us in those kinds of experiences? God is with us too. Even on those days when we sort of drift back into the me world, God's with us. And what does he do? He does what Joan Revers used to say: taps you on the shoulder and he says, "Cam." Okay. He brings us back to himself. Who's got another word? Give me that word that we had up here. Self-control. self-control. All right. Finally, we got one. We got this. Now, self-control is this experience of of mastery of yourself. You're not subject to the urgencies of the moment. You're not this kind of a person who says, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, what did you say? Then you you realize that you're on the verge of a me response. You're on the verge. Self-control says, no, I'm not going to say that because if I say that, I'm going to be hurtful. If I say that, I'm not going to be where God wants me to be. So I have to experience this sense of self control. It's it's a settledness in life that says, I live for God. I live for the other who is God. I live for the other who are the people around me. Self control means that I don't have to do things just because someone else has done it, because I know what God has done for me. And so I live with a mastery of self. That's really what the Holy Spirit can do for us. He can change us to be people who are gracious and who can be around others. What's another word that we've got? Love. 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 When Paul began this, what's the first word in that long list that he gives? Love, joy, peace. Love is the basis upon which all the spiritual gifts and all the spiritual life The fruit of the Spirit is based because what is the love that has come to us? For God so loved what? The world that he sent his only begotten son who died for us on the cross. Why? So that we should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. That's what love means. And when Paul began this listing of the ways in which the Holy Spirit is alive within our life, I think he intentionally chose that word love because he knew that he was the primary recipient of love because he was the greatest hater of God's people in his era. But the love of God came into his heart and changed him and made him a person who loved God and who loved others and recognized that he had a purpose in life. What's another word that comes to us? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Thank you. Faithfulness, that experience of being in the faith. Now, we ask people, tell me about this. Why are you a Christian? Well, I believe in God, who is the creator. I believe in God who sent his only begotten son. I believe that that son came to this earth to die for me. I believe that that son who suffered the death on the cross rose again three days. I believe that he ascended to the right hand of God. I believe that he's coming back one day to bring this world into submission to God. To bring this world before God. To judge the quick and the dead. You ask me what I believe? That's my faith. That's the faith that I believe that makes me a Christian. But what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is when you carry all that you believe into everyday life. You carry that into your life. Who loves you? Jesus loves you. What are you going to do with others? You're going to love them like Jesus loves. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness is loving others the way that Jesus loves because that's where our faith takes us. What's the next word that we've got? Goodness. Goodness, that's a wonderful word. When Paul was thinking about that, he was thinking about this experience of modeling what it's like to be Christians. You know, it's the kind of person that you want to be around because, you know, I know that person loves Jesus. I know that person loves God. I know they do. I, no, I don't. But they do. I I like the way that they are. And what they do in that experience is they not only model what it's like to be a Christ follower, but they also help others become those persons who walk together with Jesus, who join with them in the journey of faith, who joined with them in the experience of obedience. So that experience that he's talking about in goodness, goodness is the modeling of the life of Christ in the world that we live, so that others can see Jesus alive within me and Jesus is potentially alive with you. He wants you to be his child. So that's what goodness produces within our life. Is there another word that we haven't talked about? Joy. Joy. I think we covered that word joy as the experience of living with this self-realization that we don't live just to ourselves we live for the pleasure of god and for the building up of others what's an, is there another word we haven't touched have we got to kindness? Kindness. kindness 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 is is the caring for others throughout all of life a kind person is a person who doesn't build a life around yourself that's what it means to be kind Kind is a person who's a builder up of others. And all of these attributes that Paul has been talking about, these various manifestations of the Holy Spirit, they're not meant to be the only expression of what it is to walk with God, to walk with the Holy Spirit. They're meant to be pointers, but there are other experiences that people have that come because the Holy Spirit's alive within you. Have you ever been a person who says, you know, if I may, I need to sit down and talk with my friend and be a comforter. And why? Because we comfort others with the same comfort that we have received. Comforting is one of the fruit of the spirit. It's the action of being present to a person because they need me to be there. Not because I'm so great, but because the Holy Spirit is alive within me and I care for them. That's a fruit of the Spirit, comfort. What about this experience of being a listener? You know, others, God, you better listen to God. But you also, if you're going to be present with the Holy Spirit in the lives of others, you need to be an active listener, a person who cares what others are saying, because what they're saying is their life shared with you, and when they share their life with you, they want you to know how it is that God works in people's lives. I've got this illustration here. Would you do me a favor and hold this thing? Okay. How many of you like grapes? I got this, this cl- thank you. I, I brought this cluster of grapes. Because I want you to realize that when Paul is writing about the fruit of the Spirit, he's not just talking about those words that we've talked about in our time together now. He's talking about a bunch of other things that come to us. Now, how would you eat this bunch of grapes? Is there any plan involved? You, know, you don't start at the top. <laughs> One at a time, that's a good plan. That's a good time, but I've seen children go three at a time, okay? No, really, what happens is you just take the bunch of grapes and you enjoy them. My little niece used to enjoy three grapes at one time. <laughs> that was really a messy thing, but she enjoyed her grapes, but generally she eventually learned it's one at a time, Marin. there are a bunch of them more, just one at a time. Just eat one at a time. so but you don't know where to start top or bottom what I what I'm talking with this is there's a spontaneity and an unpredictability to walking in the Spirit. You, you just have to be open to what God is going to be doing for you, to, with you and in you, and how he's going to be using you. You don't know. You don't know. You might start at the top of the grape cluster, but you might start at the bottom because it's just that spontaneous kind of an experience. Walking in the Spirit it's just that kind of a path with God. When the Holy Spirit is working within our lives, we know that God comes first in our life, that we living a life that is submitted to him, and then we find a way in which God can use us in this world for his glory. We find a way that we can make a difference in this world for God's sake. What we're basically doing when we walk in the Spirit is this sowing to the Spirit reaps a harvest of God's blessing and God's reality within your life. Sow to the Spirit and discover the blessings of God. Let us pray. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.